Every year at the beginning of school, we start a series called Reach, Grow, Serve. It's to remind us of the vision and the mission of Shorewood Church of God. So the vision of Shorewood Church of God is to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. It's what we're about. It's the filter that everything is put towards, why we make all of our decisions, uh, why we decorate the church the way we do, why we sing the songs we do, why we print off the things that we do, why we do anything. It is to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. And so through that filter, we put everything we do. Uh, sometimes things get clogged in that filter. Sometimes you got to change the filter. Sometimes uh, we, we have to readjust aspects of it. But we remind ourselves of it. We do it twice a year, the beginning of January and the beginning of August, because it's something that always needs to be in front of us. Why are we doing what we are doing? What are we here for? What as a church are we trying to accomplish? We're trying to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. As we look at that today, as we examine what that means for us as a church body, what that calls us to be about, we look at a few things. To adequately reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ, we have to influence the community. And so today we're all about reaching. We're going to talk about our, that reach part of that. And then next week, I bet you can't guess what we're going to talk about. It'll be grow. And in the week after that, it'll be serve. Next week is going to be a very special, very, very, very special Sunday. It'll be our graduation uh, recognition Sunday. I know that we normally do that uh, in right when graduations happen, but uh, it's about send-off time. And so this year, we were going to try to uh, marry that to our send-off time of our graduates. And we have uh, some very special ones this year. Not that they're not always special, but uh, this year, they were just some very big all-stars uh, for a very long time here in the church. And so we're very excited about this service next week. So make sure you are a part of this and are here next week. It won't all be graduation, but it's going to have a significant part of that. Um, that's my little spiel for that. Kevin will be happy. Uh, so as we talk about reaching, uh, reaching is all about influence. And what is our influence? There's all kinds of things that you can download and apps you can have and uh, different things you can track online of what your reach is. When you do a, a, a Twitter uh, thing, when you post something on Facebook, when you uh, link something to Instagram or Snapchat, it can tell you how far your reach was, how many people did you actually affect, and all these metrics and everything going on. And what's really basing on how many people's lives did you impact, how many lives did you touch with that piece of information with the time that you had. And if we looked at that through the lens of a church, whose lives are we touching? What people are we informing? What eternities are we changing with the time that we have? So I want to spend some time talking about influence today. Influence comes from proximity, passion, and purpose. Influence comes from proximity, passion, and purpose. This is, uh, Jesus really talks about this principle of influence idea in one of the most famous scriptures in the whole uh, Bible, Luke chapter 10. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down to Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. There's a lot going on in the scripture. But for our first point, to talk about proximity, I think it's very important. There is a person who is in need, right? A guy gets beaten up, left on the side of the road, half dead. I don't know what half dead looks like, but it probably isn't pretty, right? So he's left on the side of the road. The Levi and the priest actively choose to walk on the other side of the road. They don't have influence because they've chosen, chosen, chosen? Chosen is a new word today. Chosen to be on the other side of the road. They've chosen not to come in contact with. They've chosen not to be party with. They've chosen not to do anything. And the Samaritan does what? He crosses the road, finds the, the half-dead guy, and gets real close to him. You cannot administer medicine from far away, right? Some of you are like, I wish I could. Some of you might have, like, a, you watch, you see blood, and you're like, ooh, you know. My best friend in, in high school, uh, he, he sees blood or a needle go into skin, he passes out. Just boom, boom, done. He's a macho guy. You know, he was a, he was a the stunt man in cheerleading. So he's picking up the, the girls and throwing them around and all that stuff. Well, him and another guy are doing a basket catch. And uh, their heads, and she landed a little wrong or whatever, and their heads came in, and he headbutted the guy across from him in his chin, and it split open, and he saw the blood and just went, <laughs> so like everyone's hitting the ground all over the place because of blood's uh, involved, and uh, that has nothing to do with with today's message, but you needed to know that story. Dad, <laughs> come uh, Anyway. To get close to someone, to get their blood on your hands, to fix their wounds, to whatever, you've got to get close to them. We had an issue here at the church this week that where someone got hurt, and it was like, well, do you have a blood problem? I'm like, no, no. Do you know who my mother is? Like, wounds and issues are not my, my deal. I need to see this. I need to help you. I need to fix this. This is not going to be, not going to be a problem, because I can't ascertain what's wrong unless I'm what? Close to it. You know, your kid comes in with a scrape or a broken something. You're not like, well, you stay in the other room and tell me how it feels. Mom, I'm two. This isn't working very well, right? And so you've got to get what? You've got to get close to it. Proximity is what that means. Just you've got to be close to the hurt. I think for far too long in our culture, in our country, and we've been like, well, those people, 
over there, we're going to be in our church and be nice and safe from them. And that, that's not how this works. That's what the, the priest and the Levite do, right? They walk on the other side of the road. like, Get away, get away. The Samaritan gets up close and personal, makes sacrifices for, gets in proximity with. Influence comes from proximity. To influence people around us, we must fall more in love with God and more in love with people. We've got to be willing to get to where people are. And this is hard because that means I don't know them and I don't know their story and they don't know me and they might judge me and I might be tempted to judge them. But to influence people, we have to be in proximity with them. It's very easy to build little bubbles of the people we talk to, where we, this is a safe person, and this is, I don't have to deal with any other drama because I know the drama of this group. Not, you're not going to get rid of all drama, but I know the drama of these people, and I know the drama of this area, and I know this. I don't want to introduce anything else because then that might upset the basket. But to influence people, we have to have proximity with them. We have to be close to them. Now, this takes a couple different practices. It takes some internal practices and takes some external practices, which are found in the Scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Like loving God is a very personal thing. It's a very internal practice. It's something that we have to do so that we can love externally well. And this comes from this. Influence comes from passion. Influence comes from passion. Now, we've all seen, tele, not telemarketers, the, um, the ads on TV that are like 30 minutes long, like the ShamWow guy. Uh, you've seen the ShamWow guy, maybe Chef Tony selling the Miracle Blades. If you remember that, it's oldie and a goodie. Uh, selling the, those or any of these kinds of things. Why are we like, you can't turn the channel. Like, why? Why am I watching this stupidity? What, what is going on? And then I'm, I'm dialing the phone. Stop, Jared. Stop. Stop. You know, and it's going on because they're so passionate, so enthusiastic, so into what they are selling you. that it might, This is their job. They are good at it. But they're passionate about it. I've had friends who, oh, you've got to listen to this music. You've got you to buy this CD. You gotta, I'm just aging myself there, right? You've got to download this song. You've got to do whatever it is. Get this eight track. Um, <laughs> you've got, <laughs> got to go to a museum to get that, but that's okay. You've got to do this. You've got to listen to it. I don't like ska. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to a ska band because my friends were so passionate about it. I but see, you see, exactly. The passion in it, she's going to sell you. And you're like, what is ska? I've never heard what ska is. Now I'm going to go try a ska song, and you're going to be like, what is going on? You will love it, or you will hate it. There's no in-between. <laughs> but, but because of the passion of people who like it, you're like, I've got to try it out. Right? And so influence comes from passion. It comes from proximity. It comes from passion. And I think sometimes we... We do the church thing, and maybe we've been in church for so long that our, our passion is kind of waned, our passion's kind of down, and we're like, yeah, I go to church. And we don't even bring it up. It's not even you know, burning inside of us enough to want to bring someone to it. Influence comes from passion. I think that burning inside of us comes from our love affair with God. We've got to maintain our passionate 
intense relationship with God. And that comes from another P word, because that is the letter of the day, is presence. We have to spend time in God's presence. We have to rub up against him in active ways in our life, in daily ways in our life. And this happens a couple different ways. Easy ways. They're, they're so easy that we take them for granted so we don't do them. First is this. We, you read the Bible. He has written all kinds of stuff to you about how to live life, about how to get through hard things, about how to deal with in-laws, about how to deal uh, with marriage, about how to raise kids, about how uh, to forgive people, about how to deal with anxiety. It's all in the scripture, and yet we're like, oh, I really wish I had these answers. Well, it's, it's there in the book. And if you need a Bible with you, you can do a couple of different things today. One is there's a free app called YouVersion. You can download that on, on our Wi-Fi right now uh, and download that, and you get any translation of the scripture that you want. Or there's a free Bible underneath the seats in front of you. You can just grab that. Now, if you have eight Bibles at home, please don't take our Bible. Um, we don't need another dust collector at your house. But if you need a Bible, take one of ours. It's totally okay, all right? But reading the Scripture is the first and most, one of the most important, there's two really important ones here, most important ways of getting the presence of God. The youth that went into motion last week started a challenge, a 90-day Bible reading plan. It's on you version. It's real easy. You click 90-day reading plan. It tells you exactly what chapters you're supposed to read. Now you're like, 90 days, the whole Bible. Oh my gosh. It's like 12 pages a day, right? You can, you can handle that. It's like, no, I can't. <laughs> she can't. It's like it's some chapter, it's 10 chapters some days, 12, 14, and another, but you just start reading them. And I'm a, I'm a couple days behind, behind everybody because Kevin challenged me on Tuesday, and st- so he, he wanted a head start is what he really wanted. <laughs> so, but some of the students are doing this. It's really neat. I talked to a parent today about how they were talking to their daughter about what they were uh, reading in the Scripture, really about how messed up some people in Genesis are. And yes, that is true. But think about it. A mother of a teenager was having a conversation about the Scripture with their teenage daughter. All right, we're already big win. It doesn't matter if, it, if they even finish the Bible, we already won, okay? So there's that. But we got to get present with God in that, present with the scripture in that. Now, maybe you're like, ah, Jared, that's a way too fast. I don't read that well. I, I like to sit and, and marinate it. I totally understand. On that U version, there's all kinds of other plans too. You can read it chronologically, you can read it like, I mean, you can, there's probably 50 or 60 different kinds of reading plans of the scripture uh, that you can do. The 90 day is nice if you just want to consume it all and just, it's kind of like going to a buffet, right? I'm not even really worried with a taste. I just want to cram food in my face. Um, don't judge me. You do it too, all right? <laughs> so, jeez, oh, Pete, uh, I saw those looks. It's like, no, 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 I'm not letting you get away with that. Exactly. Um, so, and then there's other ways to read the scripture where it's, it's a fine dining experience. Okay. We could talk about that later. We talk about those things that a thing we do called grow, uh, that's coming up here this fall as well. Influence comes from passion. The other way you can get, uh, delve into this presence idea of God is pray. Pray. So very, read the, I went to church today. The pastor told me to read the Bible and pray. Wow. That was earth shaking. Yes. But are you doing it? To get close in proximity with God, to fulfill this passion with God, to to reignite that in our lives, we have to be present with God. And we do that by reading the scripture and praying. I want to just challenge you, pray for five minutes a day. 
What am I going to pray for for five minutes? Pray for your family by name, pray for your friends by name, and pray for an issue you're dealing with. If you just pray those three things, I guarantee you will hit the five-minute mark, okay? If you do that for two weeks straight, you're going to realize that your five minutes isn't long enough. Your five minutes is going to stretch into 10, 15 minutes. You're like, huh, I never knew I could do that. Pray for your family by name. Pray for an issue you're dealing with and pray for your friends by name. It's just an easy way. That's not an exhaustive list of how to pray. That's just a real quick, try it, two weeks, five minutes a day. Chase after the presence of God. Learning to be present with God allows you to be present with those around you. Learning to be present with God allows you to be present with those around you. Because here's the deal. If you learn to hear from God, to let God speak into your soul and your heart and your mind in these moments of reading the scripture, in these moments of praying, you're going to be able to be more present when you're talking to your neighbor. You're going to be able to be more present when you're talking to your wife, when you're talking to your in-laws, when you're talking to your children. Because if you're discerning the voice of God through the pages of the scripture and through your prayer time, when you're there and you can actually see someone's body language, it's a whole, you're giving you way more cues than God does, right? It will help that. Learning to be present with God allows you to be present with those around you. Influence comes from proximity, passion, and purpose. Before I moved on, I want to tell you a quick story about prayer and why I said pray for your family by name and pray for your friends by name. And even I would, if you want to take it, you know, this is for a gold star, pray for your kids' friends by name. And we, we did this, and this is not to toot our own horn. This is the first time we've ever done this, so it's not like we're experts at it, okay? But I just want to share you what happened in our home this, this week. We had a little girl over, uh, this really wonderful little girl, uh, over to our house, and um, first thing she says to my kids when she meets me is, do you know your dad's crazy? I'm going to like you, little girl. Um, and so we, we say, okay, you, you, something happened with the parents, and uh, she needed to stay over for dinner. And so she's sitting there, and I'm like, and she's just, as a six- and seven-year-old girl does, right? That's, they don't stop. And she's going, and I'm like, all right, we're going to pray. And she's this is not a behavior that's happened, I don't think, in her house. And, and I start praying. And I said, thank you, God, for this food. Thank you for this family. Thank you for uh, this little girl. And I, I prayed her name. And I said, just for her smile and her energy. And she just quieted. And I'm praying. And I said, amen. She's looking at me. What did you just do? <laughs> I was like, I, I prayed to God. And I just thanked him for you and, and for who you are and how good of a friend you are to Bone and Kendall. For me? And I was just like, oh, Kelly goes, Kelly gets up. She's like, I need a drink. I need a drink. I need a drink. I need a drink. So I don't know, I don't know what that girl is. Um, I don't know the, the spiritual investment that's been done in that girl. But I know when she's in my house. I know when she's in my house, she's going to be invested in. And I, I, she gets to know that if I'm in need, there's a family that loves me and cares for me. Bye name. It's important. It's powerful. Even praying out loud at dinner time for your kids by name. Praying out loud at dinner time for your wife by name. 
it'll change the way in which doing the dishes feels and sounds, okay? I'm serious. This became a marriage and a parenting talk, and it's, it's really not. Influence comes from proximity, passion, and purpose. This final one, filled with God's purpose for our life. How can we, with all of our strength, be focused in on God? And this is where it switches from in, internal the passion part is an is internal working on uh, the presence of God in our lives. And then our purpose is an external outflow of that. So it's really important that we get our, our proximity down, our passion down, our presence down first before we do the purpose. Because if you do the purpose before you have passion, you're just kind of yelling at people. Right? And so if we're going to be filled with God's purpose for our life, we have to, have to, have to have a relationship with God. We have had to work on our presence of God part. I don't use that as an excuse. I can't talk to my neighbor about Jesus because I really haven't prayed. It didn't do the two-week thing that Jared said. Now, quit giving excuses. Just do it. Filled with God's purpose for your life. I was struck. Um, I just linked a story on my Facebook account uh, this morning uh, because... Uh, they had copied it from a Sports Center article, and I really wanted um, it's something I'm talking about right now. Michael Phelps, Sports Center has uh, let the gospel be shared two weeks in a row. I'm saying yes for this, right? Okay, so last week it was Dwayne Wade's mom, and this week it is Michael Phelps, the greatest Olympic athlete in the history of the Olympian, uh, of Olympics, maybe for all time, definitely for the last hundred years. The greatest. No one can touch him. He is amazing. Coming from a former swimmer, seeing what he does and how many events he does it in, you're just, what? It's basically what he does is like, okay, I'm going to do track, but I'm going to do the hurdles and the pole vault and, you know, I'm going to do everything that happens. I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it well and I'm going to beat everybody's pants off and I can do it blindfolded. Okay, that, this is how he, he works. He's the greatest swimmer of all time. Except Jesus, he just ran on top of the water, but that's... <laughs> cheating, you know, he's cheating, he's cheating. Uh, so, anyway, back to the Michael Phelps story. So Michael Phelps uh, was really struggling in life, and maybe you remember some of the episodes. He got a DUI, and he got some uh, uh, pictures of him doing some inappropriate things happening a few years ago. And so he hit his low point... On a, his second DUI, I believe, at in Baltimore, and um, he just knows it's it's just over, like it's just over. And so he was actually contemplating taking his own life, and he checks himself into rehab. And one of his someone who's been trying to reach out to him was uh, Ray Lewis, the uh, linebacker from the Falcons, who has his own low points in life, and. Ray Lewis reached out to him and started talking to him, started talking to him, started talking to him, sends him the purpose-driven life uh, in rehab. A couple days into rehab after getting the book, um, Michael Phelps calls Ray Lewis. What book did you give me? This thing's crazy. I've never, I've never even thought of this stuff before. A man who had lived his life, and he gives his heart to, to Christ. He changes his life. 
God's the center part of it. He's a totally different kind of person. He's a better family man. He's reconnected with his father, which if you remember the storylines from the first couple of Olympics, it was a big deal that he never talks to his dad and all this stuff. He's tried to reconnect with his father and, and rekindle that relationship because of forgiveness and, and setting on a new path. Now, is Michael Phelps going to screw up again? Yeah, he will, probably. But he's trying, he's found a new purpose for his life. He's resetting. He's no longer suicidal. Think about that. The man at the top, the pinnacle of athletic competition. You can't get higher than him. Can't figure out what his purpose in life is. He'd spent too much time with his head down in the chlorine. And when that purpose, when that athletic purpose was taken away, what left is there? Enter God, to be filled with purpose for our life from God. The purpose of your life, maybe you're asking the question, well, he figured it out. How, how do I figure it out? The purpose of your life, I'm going to tell you, easy answer today. The purpose of your life is to glorify God. It is to glorify God. The easiest way for you to glorify God is to bring people to him. This is the easiest way. Your purpose in life is to glorify God through wherever you work. So often we, we've taught people, well, you can't really be a Christian unless you're a missionary in Tanzania. You can't really be a Christian unless you did this. You're not really a Christian unless you're on the stage on Sunday morning. You're not really this. No, no, no. Your purpose in life is to glorify God. And the easiest way in which you do this is to bring people to him. And this is incredibly important and it should be what we orientate our ways around. It doesn't matter. See, that purpose didn't mean anything about you know, what our job was or where we were located or who our friends were. It was how do we bring people to God, whether I am a carpenter, a plumber, an executive, whether I'm a teacher or a stay-at-home mom, what's my purpose? To bring people to Jesus. How do we do that? We love our neighbor as ourself. First way we do this is practice compassion for our neighbors. Practice compassion for our neighbors. Practice compassion for our neighbors. Your neighbors are going through the same stuff or worse stuff than you are. My neighbor, uh, two days ago, got a pool and... Uh, he destroyed the yard, <laughs> right? If you've ever had a neighbor get a pool, you know they run back the tractor back and forth about eight bazillion times, and it just rained the night before, and it's like, ooh, slip and slide, kids. You know, and so it's just, and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I don't care. That's less I have to mow. <laughs> so, but, you know, people who would be very finicky about that, could. this would be a compassion moment. He was really, uh, just, did, you know, he was, petrified of what happened to the to the yard it just was timing and, and some things happened but how do we practice compassion for our neighbors maybe they make it hard maybe there's there's things happening you're thinking of your neighbors right now and the annoying things that happen at their their house right now but how do we practice compassion how do we speak love how do we speak truth into that with our actions and and with our words practice presence with your neighbor how can you be more present with your neighbor and by the way what does it say in the scripture who's your neighbor everyone is your neighbor but practice presence with your neighbor be real with them 
In the summer, this is very easy in this area. Everyone will talk to everybody in the summer. As soon as it starts to get cold, I ain't talking to you. I'm staying warm. I'm in my parka. Go away. I understand this. I'm, I'm dealing with it. Uh, it's, a, it's been a culture shift for me. But uh, my, my neighbor, my neighbor, because he comes to church here, is I, he heard me say something like this before. And he's like, oh, next time it's negative 20, I'm coming and knocking on your door and making you come outside to me. And I was like, that's fine. It's fine. I will learn my lesson. He didn't do it, though, so I can still keep on saying it until he does. But practice presence with your neighbor. How do we get to the, the real issues? Are there times in which we can just speak truth to our neighbors, love them better? Instead of doing the, hey, how are you? I wish you'd get off my yard. How do I, how am I present with you? How do I hear the real stuff going on? Fulfill your purpose. Your purpose is to love God and to love people, to bring people to him. I think we're going to give you a very easy way to start bringing people to God. We always have invite cards here at the church. Always have invite cards. It says on the front, you are invited to SCOG. And on the back, it has a map to it. Very easy. I keep a stack of them in the console of my truck. Very easy to hand out. And so we, we can equip you for that. For the block party, we have all kinds of cards everywhere. They're everywhere in this place. End of summer block party. The date, the time, when it ends is everything. All of that stuff. You don't even have to get people to come to the service. I don't, don't care. I just want them on the property. I want to love them in some way that day. How do we do that? How do we give these cards out? You've given me the card, but now I don't even know what to do with them. Like, they don't hand themselves out in the console of my truck, right? Mysteriously, you don't open it up like, fly, fly. I prayed that you would find your home. You know, they need my hand. That was self-condemning, by the way. That was not just towards you guys. That was me. Kevin's like, oh, he's red right now. He's like, yep, 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 yep. End of summer block party. Invite people to this. And there, here's three easy conversations. When you're having a, fr- a conversation with your friend, uh, all you teachers are going back to work. I know you're having conversations. Instead of having conversations about how much the principal stinks, let's talk about something better, okay? Uh, I know. My wife was a teacher. That was what the conversations were. Um, practice this. Okay, I got, got a couple things. I've equipped you with a card. But here, there's three cues. There are three not cues that you can know. Oh, this is where I'm supposed to hand out a card, right? I have a mental image of Missy Fermenti going, oh, I need a card, right? Okay, I have, I have this image in my hand. If a person says to you, things are not going well, you go, ah, that's, that's a cue right there. That's a, I got the answer to this one. Why don't you come to church with me? Things are not going well. Why don't you come to church with me? Here's a card. Here's directions. Second one. I was not prepared for. And maybe they say, my marriage should go this way. I was not prepared for a teenage daughter. No one is. I was not prepared. <laughs> I was not prepared for what it felt like when my kids went away to school. I was not prepared for a baby. I was not prepared for a toddler. I was not prepared for you know, working at this place. I was not prepared for these things. That's a great, it's a not question that says that person needs an a answer, a practical answer. And we try to be very practical in the way in which we teach the scripture here. So, I was not prepared for. Hey, why don't you? We talked about something like this. Why don't you come to church? Ah, no, seriously, we talked about because if they're already willing to admit that they have a problem, they're going to be looking for an answer, and it's not you providing the answer. Like, oh, I know everything. Oh, it's God. I was not prepared for. Third one is this, and this one's we excel at this one. I'm not from around here. 
oh, you need one of these. This is a great church family that will love you. They're a little weird, but we love them, right? We got more people uh, from our church. The majority of the people that joined our church in the last year or so are not from around here. You've got a pastor who's not from around here. We fumble through this thing called life together, right? I'm not from around here. Oh, I got a play, great place for you to find a church family. Does that make, help you? Because you're like, oh, I got to have this whole sales pitch. I got to have this thing. I got to know every answer about the church down pat. No, if they just say, I'm not, things aren't going well. Whew. I'm not prepared for. Hey, why don't you come to church? I'm not from around here. Hey, here's a great church family. Uh, it's, it's a little easier than that. And then this is where your passion comes in. Because if you're like, well, if you want to come to church and waste an hour. <laughs> but hey, this place has really helped me and changed me and, and things are going well. And I still got issues, but I'm, I'm trying. You should come. You see the difference in that? I want to go to the second one. I don't want to go to the first one. Eeyore Church is not where I want to go, okay? (laughs) Influence comes from proximity, passion, and purpose. Influence comes from proximity, passion, and purpose. We need God's presence in our lives so we can have this kind of passion, know when to get close to someone, and live out this purpose in our lives. Folks, we, are, we have all the tools that we need to impact the kingdom of God. We have all the tools that we need to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. We have scripture, we have prayer, and we have love for one another. And God is calling us to a new season in this church. He's calling us to a new time. He's calling us to affect this community with change. It is a community that, is, that needs God. That's not a judgment on this community. Everywhere needs God. And we have to take the responsibility of that, the ownership of it. To say, you know what? I want 5, 10, 15, whatever it is, of my friends to be at this church this year at some point. Pick a number. I want these people to just come to the church at least once. Because you guys are awesome. If they meet you, they're going to like you. I did. Came on a 750-mile first date, and I fell in love and came here. Because we have everything it takes to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. God has called us to this. He's calling us to action. He's calling us to love this community better, to grow it, and to serve it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for who you are and what you're about. God, as we reach, grow, and serve this community, give us the patience, give us the knowledge, Lord, that you would just highlight people in our brains that we need to pray for, that we need to invite. God, that you would help us put ourselves in the back seat enough to know when someone is actually crying out for help. Put us in the back seat enough to know that Hey, this is a person who needs Jesus. God, we love you. We're trying to love you more in everything we do and how we live life and how we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.